Welcome to Rotten Radio. Rotten Radio is a monthly podcast we bring you the first Wednesday of the month with the Rutten Brothers. Father Paul Rutten, pastor of St. Mary Church in Sioux Falls. Father John Rutten, pastor of St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg. And Joe Rutten, professor and director of the Benedictine Institute for Leadership, Ethics, and Social Justice at Mount Marty College. Let's join them now for a little faith, family, and plenty of fun. Good morning, rock stars! From coast to coast, we give you a toast as you listen to Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. I'm Joe Rutten, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful, fantastic, and outstanding brothers, Rutten, Father Paul and Father John. How we doing, fellas? Doing well. Doing good? Are you really doing good? <laughs> Uh, I have a we skin rash. We, we don't want to talk about we it. <laughs> are we being honest here? Uh, uh, or is this polite uh, company? Uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, as always, uh, here we are in May. It's already May. Totally crazy. So uh, what have we been up to, uh, brothers? <laughs> Crap. Corona coop, <laughs> the Corona, the corona coop. coop. No, uh, just living it moment by moment, just waiting for this quarantine to be over. Right or lifted. please, God. Yes. Yeah, I'm doing well. Things are going good. Just I don't know what to say. I, I got along. Uh, day by day, day by day. Yeah, it's life is life is moving along. I don't know. I'm I sometimes feel bad. Maybe I'm supposed to be like really. Shook. Bad right now. I shook right now, but I'm not. I'm like, right. you know, things change. It's it just, uh, it's not what we want. It'd be different, but yeah, I'm doing well. Right. Things are good. I, uh, two weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I just lost it a terrible week and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm over it all. It, like, no more fun and games. It just yep. was a bad week. And gen- I probably would have had a bad week whether I was <laughs> stuck in my house or not, but I was over it all. Then I got a couple of days away and kind of freshened up and, so back at it again. Here we go, and slowly but surely, I suppose we'll all uh, we'll all move into a new normal, whatever it is that that looks like. Well, fellas, we've got an outstanding, outstanding show for our audience here today. As most of our listeners know, and for anybody out there that's new, we always love to do a little movie review, movie of the month. And this is one of my all-time favorite, like, I don't know if you'd say it's a kid's movie necessarily. Well, yeah, No, maybe, it's not know. a kid's movie. It's kind it's like of a, a kid's it's movie. It's a family so. movie. <laughs> right, right, right. So we have absolutely outstanding The Sandlot for yes. our movie of the month. So I'm excited. I'm going to have to work to not talk too much because I love it so much. So I'm going to turn it over to you fellas, let you guys drive the train on this one, and I'm going to jump in as we move along. <laughs> Paul looked at me like, yeah, right, you're going to give the reins to anybody else. So if you're out there listening, you can interact with us on Facebook. is a great place, Rutten Radio, or you can do it on the – make sure you like the uh, Real Presence Network as well. But Facebook, you can uh, interact with us and comment, and we love to have people – uh, kind of let us know if you're out there. Where are you listening from? China? Maybe anybody in China? Hey, how fun would that be if I, or all our Chinese listeners? Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, I, have, I have an inside scoop okay. to the Wuhan situation. <laughs> of course so. you do. Right. So if you're out there following and listening, <laughs> other than that, we'll pass it over here and we'll get it kicked off with our movie of the month, Sandlot. There we go. Sandlot for uh, the 
handful of people who maybe have not watched it. That was one of the fun things seeing on Facebook when we announced the movie. Everyone that was like, oh my gosh, that's my favorite movie. And sometimes they give us our lines, whatever. But for those that haven't seen The Sandlot, uh, it is a movie that takes place in the summer of 62. A new kid has moved to town and is taken under the wing of a young baseball prodigy and his rowdy team. Uh, and they have a summer filled with adventures. So it's that's pretty much it. You just follow along in this kid's adventure of a summer <laughs> like no other. Uh, any warnings or issues that people should be aware of? Yeah, there's one warning uh, for all those that are afraid of dogs. Yeah. So I won't say any more, but you know, if you're if you have a phobia of big dogs, uh, you know, it might be a little. Otherwise, nope. PG thirteen. I think it's about clean for everyone. Yep. All right. Well, initial comments. Let's kind of start uh, poking the bear and see what we got here. Uh, who wants to jump in first and give the initial commentary on Sandlot? I guess I just found. Uh, it's a movie that really, I think for most people, you kind of go back to your own childhood. Like it just so captures uh, growing up uh, in a day and age that seems to be gone. Maybe it's not. Um, and so as they were living adventures, I was sort of reliving different adventures, you know, whether it was uh, moments of playing ditch in the neighborhood right. or whether it was going down to the pool with a group of people or a pickup game here or there, or whatever. I just found myself kind of going back to the different adventures and things, building a fort and having secret doors and all those kinds of things. <laughs> so I think for me, the the movie just sort of captures parts of growing up, innocence, uh, adventure, things like that <laughs> in people's lives. The first thing I thought when I saw the pool scene was I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Pools used to never have lawn chairs. You just laid on the cement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember all the girls are all oh, like yeah. Yeah. in yep. the, the cement with their towels or whatever. And like, there was nothing better than the hot cement when you yeah. would get out of the pool and you wanted to cool off, you know, or, <laughs> or, or warm up, uh, you'd lay on the hot cement. So there it was all those little kind of nostalgic, uh, and that's when about our Terrace Park pool would have been built at about that same time post. I think if I recall correctly, that war was that pool was built post-war. Right. So everybody was returning from the war and they needed a, giant, a place, you know. Right, just one big to, square. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing fancy. <laughs> yep. uh, it was fantastic. And, for, you know, the also the friendship component of it, just that innocence of childhood and um, playing baseball, but yet the the awkwardness of it all, right? Everybody's a different height. Like you got the <laughs> yep. one kid that's real tall and, you know, the real good athlete, but yet the reality is, is like, give it four or five years and the little short kid will actually be better and bigger than the tall kid. Yeah. Like Ryan Noonan, I was thinking of Ryan when, when we were that age, Ryan Noonan was like a center at the junior high basketball team. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And now Ryan's no taller than anybody else, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Shout out to Noonan. But yeah, all of those things just, it allowed me to jump back into my own own kind of nostalgic experience. So, Father John? Yeah, I think a similar thing I saw in the the crowd, you know, the the Sandlot crew, is when you, when you live in a certain way that you don't get to choose your friends. Right. In a way, they didn't choose. Like, it's these are the ones that are friends. Now, they did choose not to be friends with the kids on the bikes and the, the whole uniform sure. stuff. But that's what that's how you end up with a fellowship like that. You end up with a fellowship of the rings when 
you you just like accept who God puts in your path, you know? Otherwise, the older we get and the more we choose, we like find everybody that looks just like us, right. you know? And then we're all the jocks or we're all the band kids mm. or we're all the whatever, but we don't have any texture or variability. So you see the beauty in that. And I could look back in our past and just see like in the neighborhood, you had the neighborhood crew, you know? Uh, and it was all kinds and all difference. But then as we grew up, you kind of find your way and steer your way towards certain kinds of people. And then I'm like, I don't like Joe's friends. I'm going to have my <laughs> own friends. I want my own friends that are really cool. <laughs> so, and that take me skiing. <laughs> and that take me skiing. Yeah. But I, was, I found out there were people that could take me skiing. <laughs> right. I was no. uh, following uh, uh, Mike Kunkel, a good old North Ender, mm-hmm. right, uh, on Facebook. And we were talking about different things. And one of them was uh, having having friends with cabins or lake houses. Oh. Like that was a, a good North Ender had a friend in Tut Hill. <laughs> right? Like, and if you're out there listening, you know, basically it's like one side of the tracks and the other side of the tracks. And uh, if you have somebody that has the the lake house, it was like, you know, you hit, you hit, you hit a gold mine there. Yeah. If you could go to Brant Lake every well, summer. And the, diff- the difference for us that people might not know locally is uh, because of the Catholic high school in town, everybody mixed. Right. So really O'Gorman high school was like a sandlot. Right. And you just kind of made friends with lots of people and all our friends mixed. We had friends of the North end, the right. South side, all West side, East side. Uh, and so you did end up with your own sort of sand lot uh, once you were at O'Gorman that was kind of, you know, it was good. It kind of kept right. everybody open to different ways and stuff. But it's then a- you'd end up with the friend that had the, Big blaze, so nice car. So, yep. Oh yeah, fun times. Right. Fun times. Well, you so. know, just kind of digging into that a little bit—that idea of acceptance or friendship and kind of fitting in. You know, there's a lot of that idea of fitting in, Father Paul, where it's like, you know, when you're growing up, and and how does the movie kind of navigate that theme or that idea of acceptance and fitting into different crowds? Well, I think one that it's always always something you people have to deal with when they're new, you know, uh, coming into something, uh, the outsider, you know, they moved here. So he's not from there. So he doesn't have really anything in, in that sense. I also think it was important to see that in any group, there really is that authority figure. And so Benny, mm-hmm. the the kid that plays baseball well, really was the authority of the group. Like he was the leader and, and he is the one that, that made it possible for Scotty to come in because his willingness to reach out to him and and really bring him in and provide for him uh, in so many ways. And and so, you know, it'd be interesting to kind of delve in a little bit to see, like, was there a reason why Benny was the way he was? Hmm. You know, um, why did he have sort of this affection for this egghead? Uh, this, you know, this kid who was a nerd and didn't know a thing about baseball, uh, but knew that baseball was the key, mm. you know, in the midst of it. And I think also in that there was also a need for Scotty to put himself out there, you know, so he sneaks into the, to the, he follows them to the sandlot and he stands in the back, you know, so he exerts himself and he risks uh, exposing himself to these kids to be able to try to fit in uh, versus sitting inside completely waiting for someone to knock on the door. The uh, <laughs> I knew immediately that I was dialed into the movie when he taught he shows up to play baseball at the yep. local sandlot with the fellas, new kid to, to town, and he has a plastic mitt, right? <laughs> yeah. you know, like, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that moment, like where you knew the equipment you had, uh, like 
exposed you. Right. Like mm-hmm. it, it told everybody there, this kid has no <laughs> idea yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, he has a plastic mitt, you know? And, and so you look at that and it's like, he doesn't know who Babe Ruth is, right? right. The, the Sultan of SWAT. The great yeah. Bambino. The great Bambino. The, and, well, I think the, the part that hit me with that is how we can never end up um, belonging to certain places because we aren't willing to take that risk. Uh, because of either predetermined ideas of what is going to happen, or even we have some awareness of what's going to happen. And there was a line in there where he says, if I had known what was going to happen, I never would have went. Right. Right? So in the end, if he would have known that he was going to ruin this baseball and all this stuff, and um, not not if I would have known that he would see I have this dorky baseball cap on, or not— if they would known that I find out I don't know who Babe Ruth is or not, you know, there's like a million additional reasons, but like the big reason in the end, he's like, if I would have known what was going to happen, I never would have went that day. Right. But imagine had he not went that day. Right. And in so many ways, I think people don't, we can stay in our fear or in, and we don't really have a fun life. We don't have an adventure. We don't, because we don't want to like lose our identity or our steam or our pride well, or it's, whatever. It's, you there's know? a lot of fear and, there. Yeah, there's a lot of fear true. there. Just yeah. in my own life, personally, yeah. like there's lots of places I don't want to go or that I maybe limit myself because of fear of exposure. Yeah. I, I just a quick example. I, I've been going to a conference for 15 years in Michigan. And it, every time I go, they're like, how come you aren't giving a talk? How come you aren't presenting? Like, Everybody there expects that I'm one, thinks I'm one of them and I should be presenting, but I'm completely scared (laughs) to get up in front of all the professors from Notre Dame and from, you know, if I'm at Creighton or somebody, you know, I'm just at this little dinky Mount Marty and like, who am I? And I'm not, it's like complete fear grips me and keeps me from entering in and saying, you know what? Why don't you do this? And it's the same Mm -hmm. thing there that says, if I know, and it's like, I know, I, I know too much. I don't want... And I just need to get over it. And, but this but is anyway. the beauty of it is I think we see in the Sandlot that the way to get into the adventure, the way to figure it all out is I don't have to like overcome the fear even. I just got to be willing to accept that Benny says I should come. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, great. All right, Benny. You know, And yeah. that can have a tussle, but it's just enough that you can like mm-hmm. work through it. Yeah, that's right. You know, and the other thing I thought was interesting, what Benny also did was he pointed out the shortcomings of each of the other kids when they were trying to keep Scotty out because of this. He started to just sort of let everybody, like, excuse us, we know you've got issues. I mean, you know, like, like he just sort of not, like just named them all. And he's like, and we still let you in here. Uh, and it was just kind of a helpful thing. Sometimes we forget that that we don't have it all together either. Uh, but we want to perceive that, but our, whatever it is, is acceptable <laughs> in, the, in the midst of it all. Oh man. The one liners that just like the one, the one kid's talking about, you know, is he's bringing everybody down to the same yeah. playing field, but the, the one, <laughs> the one kid, when he doesn't want him there, he's like, uh, Benny's like, well, he makes nine. We only got eight. And he's like, yeah, my sister makes nine too, but you don't see her here. <laughs> right, right, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Poor Katie. Speaking of cannonball. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, fun stuff. The uh, the idea of the the baseball cap, like immediately realizing like his goofy hat and these types of things, 
And you know, you just stop and think, well, even at the age of 42, when sure. I go into new circles, I've got goofy baseball caps. You know, I've got yeah, you things don't even about know me. No, no, well, no. But, but I also don't. think the other thing is, is he didn't have someone. Like his dad died. Right. So that whoever it was for everyone else that helped them navigate this world, uh, he didn't have that person in this new, the stepfather didn't have time to really instill that or presumed that it was already instilled a long time ago. If this kid is this old. And so that, that reality, like, who do you go to? Like, so before you, you speak at this conference, who do you talk to? Right. <laughs> like, who's the person, like, who is your sort of mentor uh, the person that can sort of help you along a little bit that can say, you know, and Benny was it for him. Um, normally it would have been your dad. You know, your dad would have played catch or your older brother would have played catch with you or, you know, so so that ability to see that that so often the, 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 you don't know something, but not because somehow something's wrong with you. It's because everyone had to be taught. You just haven't had the chance, you know, to be taught like this is how it works. Right. And I think the idea of fatherhood and just, life and mentorship and that type of stuff really came out to me just as a dad. It can sometimes be hard to want to be present to your children right? because I'm selfish. If I'm honest, you know, it's like, well, no, I'd rather sit on social media or I'd l rather watch Netflix. Like, but to get down and play the game with my boy or to, to actually go outside and hit the baseball, like it sounds great in your head and you think that you would always say yes to this, but the reality is, is like, you're like, no, I don't want to go outside and act like you can hit a baseball and play with you right now or, you know, whatever. Um, but that idea that says it's okay to be broken and not perfect. And then the father has the moment, the stepfather, where at the end he does like want to be a part of his stepson's life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh yeah. And then I can be that person too that, and I've really tried to, and I guess more than anything is just train myself. But through that movie, it reminded me, yeah, Joe, you can make decisions, even though your heart and your mind and your emotions don't want to do it. You can mm -hmm. say yes, and you can go do that. And then those things follow. It's like working at the banquet with, with, you know, the, you know, the, the, uh, food bank downtown where you go work at it. I never want to go do it. But then once I do it and I get there, I never want to leave. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. So sometimes you just have to do it and then everything else follows uh, on, on top of it. But being present, having other people in your life that can help you train you. Uh, Why do you think grade school kids love the movie? Because they relate kids to it. Kids love this movie. Whenever it said, the Sandlot. Yeah. Uh, what, yeah, what do you think? Imagination, adventure. I think it really taps into their experience. <laughs> like, like getting the, 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 the sucking the baseball <laughs> you know, up those vacuums. You know? right. Oh, yeah. right. I mean, how many of you set up like uh, a trap doors and, oh, yeah. and, and did stuff in your room where you had a bucket of water or something that try, you'd try and get to fall on somebody to walk through it? Or you set up like the Goonies, the, the truffle shuffle. Booby trap. Yeah, booby the trap. booby traps. Like, I think we all had that, that idea mm -hmm. of imagination and adventure is ripe at that age with the kids. And I think the movie is like a Goonies. It taps into that. Mm. You know, I was at, uh, so shout out to the Heldon Brands. Uh, they are, the the they were like, you got to review this movie, okay? And so I saw them the other day and they were like, you should review the Goonies. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor did. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? We already we got did it. it. Yeah. Hey, so, you can go to uh, right, 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 yeah. you can go to our yeah. archived files. No, on, I think th- I think you're onto something. There's something in us that no matter how old we are, but the kids live it in such a way that they're more honest with the fact that oh, this is fascinating. And and I love that even with the kids, they each have a part. Like once there's a common mission. Mm-hmm. Then each person has a part they need to play. So one kid can be the binoculars, periscope. the periscope. Is that what that's made called? Of, I was one made out of weedy box. boxes. Yeah. How how about that? Uh, and then the other kid, you know, can be the one they can lift in the the scoop and can go over <laughs> the fence, you know, because he's small enough. And you know, everybody had their point, but they had a common mission. We got to get that baseball. <laughs> and John, you just elaborated two things. Number one, I think a principle of life, but number two, a principle of business that offices and teams and, and institutions that have and share a common mission, the whole concept is whether or not the individual buys into the corporate mission. And when they do, that's when flourishing organizations succeed. And when they don't, it's when they fail, fall and fail and fall apart. And so the popular thing is having mission and values on your wall, but not actually in your people. And just like friendship mm. right there, they share a common goal. We got to get the ball back. And then all of a sudden everybody knows and, and it just naturally happens, right? It's not like they said, I'm the person that, no, like Benny said, you're the small guy, you're getting in the thing and we're putting you over whether you like it or not, right? And people just fall into that role based upon who they are and their talents and their gifts. And then of course, there's always the engineer like Paul that comes along and actually designs the apparatus that like can catapult you up and like get you over the wall. I'm like, that's Paul. Paul would have done that, you know. Yeah, the erector set. I was thinking like, right, the erector set. This is so set. amazing that they had it. You know, all those like never could have done that. You know? No, 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 no. So yeah, yeah. you're killing me, Smalls. Yeah. Other other good quotes, other line, one-liners <laughs> from the movie that I think also in that the other underlying thing is those fears, like the 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 fear of the beast, the fear of of the man in the house, oh, uh, right. and how much of fear is based in reality, and how much of fear is is really just created within my mm-hmm. own mind, and you know how often we can sort of like create a scenario and make it bigger than it really is. Uh, you know, and, and, and the movie does a great job of making the dog, you know, like a beast. It's like, like it, all these things that it can oh, do, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, in, in the midst of it all. I think uh, fear is a big, we could do a lot on fear, right? Yeah. You know, and, and even uh, the when the, the two baseball teams sort of like pair off and it, you know, it, it all comes down to, you know, like proving themselves, like who really is better and all of that, like this fear, like, but a willingness to still put yourself out there and uh, in the midst of it all. So I, I do think, and he tells the story, you know, so they're in the, they stay overnight in the clubhouse. And so they're telling the story <laughs> of the beast and, you know, and it just is a story that grows and grows and grows and grows. Yeah. Did you guys know that in the alleyway right over here, there was a man that lived in the back shack? <laughs> oh, right, right. You didn't know that? <laughs> he did. He lived in the back shack, you know. Yeah, and it's so like, goes the tale. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was like, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's oh, there was no man in that back shack, you know. That's just what Tim Himmer told us. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. So we all were like scared to go down that alleyway forever. Yep. Then, uh, yeah, you know, you're right, and and 
uh, but to take the risk to go into there, it sounds good an idea, but I certainly wasn't going to go up into that shack. Right. No, 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 no. I mean, I was just going to avoid the alleyway. Uh, right. And as far as being better than the, the fear of whether or not you're as good as the people, you know, the organized kids with the, the nice uniforms and everything else. I found out that I wasn't, right. <laughs> I found out that, that the St. Mary kids actually were better than I, <laughs> than I was. And, and uh, Shannon popping out in Harrisburg actually could crush me. Like if he actually wanted to, right. but uh, that was a different experience that I learned humility that day. And I learned that I wasn't actually a great athlete. I just loved athletics. Yeah. And this is, this is something really that I think we're seeing now with all of the coronavirus and people are back at home and people are having to live differently is there is this sort of sense that when we stop, when the, when the goal isn't like a winning of the game, but the goal is I need, I need something I love, or I need to like engage things. You do play in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that's happening right now in people's experiences is, wow, people are beginning to sense, oh, this is what it's like to have a motley crew of kids on their bikes, you know, six feet apart, everybody, you know, but, but it's happening. I'm, I guess this is kind of a sidetrack, but speaking of kids on their bikes outside, I have never in my life seen so many people outside. <laughs> like, I feel like we're back to a neighborhood. I yeah. feel like I have a neighborhood. I did. I don't feel like I had a neighborhood before. As a matter of fact, sure. I don't, I know my neighbors, but I don't really know them. No. But there are people all over the place, constantly walking outside mm -hmm. now. And I'm like, kind of like this. I'm very interested to see what happens as this whole thing kind of loosens and we have a new normal. Like do people no longer open their garage? Do people pull into their garage, shut their garage and we never see them again anymore? Or is there this new thing where people kind of have come out of their shell and they want to be more present to a human community and forming a neighborhood again? But I'm fascinated. They probably Maybe I shouldn't be the one to say it, but they probably will say they want to be a part of human community. So they'll join their sports teams again. And then you won't see them. Oh, right. right. The reason yeah. that you see them is because yeah. they're yeah, at home. The, I mean, the, the real question will be is what will people do with their free time once they're given back the free time? Mm -hmm. Will they fill it completely again? Oh, yeah. Um, totally. Or will they choose not to? What is this think? the moment that gives the the parents who are sort of on the fence about it all mm. uh, and who really aren't necessarily bought into the whole thing um bought into the whole thing what whole oh, thing that the sports are oh, right, right, are right. you know they're going to be the central thing for their kids lives or have they discovered in these last whatever 8 weeks it seems like um that it hasn't been so bad and in fact they've appreciated some of the time home together you know it's interesting to me i just recalled a lot of times the reason that w those things are perpetuated is people don't want free time Right? I mean, that's what most people would say is, you know, it's better. They're better this than hanging out or like getting right. in trouble or, but we see that the free time is actually a necessary part of them engaging in this way and growing in this way. So maybe now they'll have less free fear Just to really giving. encourage. Yeah. Right. I think a structured environment, particularly for youth, but probably for everybody um, can be negative in the sense that it doesn't force the, the, the person to, use their own initiative to follow something that provokes them, something that interests them, something that is just random, right? Not instead, it's almost like a passivity where they're always put in front of something that, that engages them instead of them themselves having to go discover it and find it. 
we're, we're winding down the first half hour. We're, we've got a lot to talk about in the next half hour. So as we kind of wrap up here, the first half hour rut and radio, on the Real Presence Network. You can follow us on Facebook and all the social media feeds. We're talking about The Sandlot, fantastic movie of the month. When we come back in just a few few sec, well, a few minutes, uh, uh, we'll keep on those themes of Sandlot. Support our sponsors as we take this short, very short break. You're listening to Rutten Radio on the RPR Network. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more of the Rutten Brothers after these messages. My name is Carol Oren, and I'm from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. My daughter, Tara, is attending Mount Marty College. The thing that I really love is that whether you're in sports or not, it's like a family. Everyone cares for every sport, for every athlete, for every student. They also do fun activities. The community as a whole in Yankton, as far as giving discounts to the students, really making them feel welcome and makes them feel a part of their community. Lead. Serve. Impact at Mount Marty College. Hello everyone, Steve Splonskowski here with Real Presence Radio. During these unprecedented times of difficulty, we are challenged to review what we value most and what we cannot imagine living without. Over the next few weeks and perhaps months, we will be reminded of what a great gift the Eucharist is because we will be separated for a time from our Lord's precious gift. Our priests and bishops continue reaching out and ministering to us still as they can through Real Presence Radio, diocesan websites, and social media. But remember that our parishes will suffer without any ability to receive support on the weekends. I ask you to consider giving as you can to make sure that our parishes, the basic building blocks of our Catholic communities, remain strong during this time of difficulty. We at Real Presence Radio remain steadfast in doing all we can to also help and assist our church in this time, and also appreciate your ongoing prayers and support. God bless you. Real Presence Radio Spring Feed My Sheep Drive is May 12th through the 15th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Central Time. Join us for our daily lineup of amazing hosts and guests as they share how RPR has been with them on their faith journey for 20 years. And donate to win. Tuesday, a $25 gift card. Wednesday, a beautiful olive wood rosary touched to a relic of the tomb of Jesus. Thursday, a Real Presence Radio hat. Friday, an RPR jacket. Call 877-795-0122 or donate online at realpresenceradio.com. Hello, I'm Linda Baldwin with the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. We are now open, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. We're located at 3709 South Grange, just west of Costco. We stock Catholic books, artwork, saint medals, rosaries, Bibles, parish supplies, plus mystic monk coffee and gifts for those special occasions like baptisms, First Communion, and Confirmation. I look forward to your visit to the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. This is Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now, back to more faith, family, and fun with the Rutten Brothers. And we're back with Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio Network, your local, regional, and global, really, Catholic media network for all things awesome. You can catch us on Facebook, and I'm joined here, as always, with my brothers Rutten, Father John and Father Paul. Welcome back, brothers. How are you? Great. Did you have a good break? Three minutes? Wonderful. As we wrap up the Sandlot, I'm absolutely, I love the Sandlot. I think it's nostalgic. It brings me back to that kind of 
I don't know. I feel like it was perfect in the pandemic to watch this thing because I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This feels like what I'm doing right now. <laughs> you know, I'm playing ball with my kids instead of running them to soccer practice. Oh, by the way, the cancellation of sports did not sadden me at all. <laughs> my boy, Leo, the oldest, said that he wouldn't play baseball this summer. He wanted to play soccer. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. As, a, as a man of the American pastime, former baseball coach, oh, I was so saddened, but I wisely said, okay. <laughs> and I let him register for soccer and not baseball. And then the pandemic hits. <laughs> it's, yeah, hopefully it's anyways, anyways, there was small victories, small victories. Uh, as we look at like what is the new normal in this circumstance, you know, we're, I'm fascinated. I think you guys are fascinated. I'd, I'd love to hear what our audience has to say about what's going to happen as the new normal or as this thing kind of transitions back into kind of the, the new groove. What do you think? Is Are, are people just going to get back to the way they used to live? Is there going to be a new freedom found and not being like chasing all the activities? Are you you like being at home with your kids and your family or are you like, nope, this was a bad experiment. I need to, <laughs> I need to go back to work more often. We're fascinated by that. We'd love to know. Jump on Facebook under our Rutten Radio page, comment, let us know. Have you enjoyed it? What are the challenges? What are the blessings? What are your expectations as this thing moves forward? How's that sound, brothers? Can't yeah. wait. Yeah, we'd love love it. As we take a look, I've been thinking a lot, uh, maybe for the second half hour, as we kind of look at other themes and and dive in a little bit, um, I've really realized, I've well, I'll give the connection to the quote. A quote by Mother Teresa has come to mind constantly in the last couple of months. Um, I have a picture of Mother Teresa in my living room, and so she's always present to me. She's there, she just kind of, but it's soft, It's not like this thing that stands out. It's just like always Mother Teresa saying, I'm here with you. Don't forget me. And what I tell you is, I tell you, love your family. And so that quote from Mother Teresa, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. (laughs) It's like, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Well, I think a lot of us just got two months of a forced quarantine to follow Mother Teresa's wisdom to go home and love your family and that being the way to change the world. And I'll have to tell you, as difficult and challenging as it has been in certain ways for me, it has been by far the greatest blessing by 100%. I love my kids so much. I get to kind of sleep in late and they get to kind of sleep in late and uh, we're around each other. Now we always ate meals together. So we've, we, we didn't have to, my kids aren't old enough to, be chasing everything yet. And it almost is like that heads up or warning to me. Don't lose this. This is what you like. This is what your values are. This is what you will, you would miss. And it's like, all right, how do we maintain and hold on to that? But it hasn't been without challenges. I've had to forgive. I've had to ask for forgiveness a lot from my wife and from my children. Uh, but 100% it's fulfilled me more. And it's made me a better father and a better husband, 100%, as challenging as it's been. And now I don't see my work as the primary thing in my life. It's even hard to say that. Like, I don't, but I love working. I love my job. I love what I do. Um, You know, I was given two months 
to learn to love better the things that I ought to love more. And that's what I see here with Mother Teresa. I'm interested in your thoughts. If, if you know, how challenging is this? Have you talked with some parishioners that are experiencing something similar? Or is there something there that, you know, I should be taking to my prayer and thinking about, Joe, you need to keep working at this. <laughs> so thoughts, Mother Teresa's quote, and uh, loving your family in the time of pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I think early on, um, there was always the joke in a sense, you, all of the stay-at-home moms all said, and and now you know how hard this is. <laughs> right. Like, you know, so there's this presumption that stay-at-home moms have it easy. They just, you know, it's real easy. Right, they don't or do anything. the teachers are all saying, <laughs> and now you know what it's like to try to teach all these kids. So this, it's been a real sort of stark um, reality. I think some of it, does depend on what already was present in the mm. family structure, how the family lived, uh, when this pandemic hit and when everyone was forced to stay home. Cause I have talked to some parents who have like you, Joe said, this has been the greatest thing. You know, this really, we really enjoy it. Our, our schedule's a lot easier. Those kinds of things. Other people have said, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. Um, and I do think that some of it is how they're living in, in the pandemic. You know, so what freedoms do they still have? What freedoms don't they have? What are their outlets? All, all of those kinds of things in the midst of it. Um, but I, I do think people are realizing the importance of family and what we do uh, and the influence that we can have uh, on them as well. Yeah, it seems to me it's begging a question of what our mission is. What is the point to exist? Why are we here? Why are we here? Uh, and this is a really interesting thing that you, in two months of the w worst crisis in the history of probably, I don't know, the last hundred years, 500 maybe modernity, uh, that you could say, oh, my work isn't the primary thing. <laughs> you know, like, I think you represent a lot of people. And most people would say, if anybody loves their family most and love God most and loves the church most and then work, Joe Rutten does, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. you know, you like, you know, and yet you can even say like, wow, what is, what is my mission? Why am I here? And it's, I don't even think it's something we can like figure out right now. We just have to really pay attention to what's happening and be able to say right here, something's being given to me. If I just, I want to pay attention to it. And for me, I just keep realizing it is really difficult for me to just stay present to all of this now, not because I don't like it, but because I like it so much. I want to control that it's going to happen again next month. Mm. Mm. So that's for me. That's for me, John Rutten, to pay attention to. What does it mean that when I get something that's so good, when I get something that I find so much life in, my next movement is to want to control it so that next month it can happen again. And then, because I'm like a father, I want to control all of you right. so that next month it happens again. But then I say, well, like, what's the thing that I want to happen? Well, the truth of the matter is coronavirus or no coronavirus, work or no work, at home or at the office, the thing I want to know is that I'm loved. I want to like experience God's love. And I was in the chapel the other day and at the rectory, and I had this like 
yearning, this longing, like, and we're in Easter season. So the Psalms for the days are like, like a deer that yearns for running streams. So <laughs> my soul is long, you know, over and over again. And I'm like, that's happening to me. I think I'm longing, I'm longing. And I'm like, what am I longing for? What am I longing for? And I'm like, well, sure. The answer is God. But I mean, and I just had to start with real particular things and I'd say, I'm longing for uh, uh, something meaningful to happen in prayer. I'm longing for the thing I'm writing for the parish to actually produce a fruit in people's lives. I'm longing, I'm longing. And I don't know, it's really a beautiful thing for me to just say, okay, this is my thing of the coronavirus. I'm learning. I'm somebody right. who... Um, and everybody has their unique circumstance and their unique mm -hmm. uh, reality that they're they're living in here. I, uh, uh, I just had a complete blank. So, well, I, <laughs> think, I think if I think if we pay attention to these things, then then we're given power to live more in control of our life. I think a lot of us don't really believe we have control of our life. We don't mm -hmm. really believe we can say yes or no to things. I mean, we can say yes and no to everything, right? but we don't feel that if we really look at our experience. So we're saying, ah, oh, I have control. Okay. And the more I just become aware of it, then the more I can become self-possessed. Self-possessed. No matter what the future holds, I can say, hey, you know what? You know, I think about Christy, you know, Christy would say, guys, Our you know, sister. you only get one sport a year or, you know, yeah. you can start making different decisions as a family and you can get through the tumultuous part of it because you have a new mission. Right. You for yourself want something more and you want it for your children more, mm. which is, you know what, one sport a year because we need this space where real life is engaged and you guys get into other sure. things or. Absolutely. Um, so. But, but I think sometimes, it, again, with all of it is it really can be the little things. And, and I don't think when parents start out, they realize how quickly the little things add up to big things. Like, and so, so the first kid, it's okay that the first kid's in all these sports because we can get them to them. But when you get to the fourth kid and yeah. all of those sports, you, you can't, I mean, like then you're counting. I mean, like, it's ah. total pandemonium. But it can work in the beginning because it's just a little thing. It's just mm -hmm. one event. It's just one, one practice. Kid. It's one kid. You multiply those by by those things, and so do even mm. in the, in the positive. Sometimes we can get overwhelmed trying to make big changes, and it really is just little changes done over time. You know, really do make a, a big difference. So maybe not even to say to a parent, you know, well, you just have to pick one sport, eliminate one sport. <laughs> so start from the other direction. So if your kid's in four sports, no way you're going to get the kid to play one. <laughs> But maybe you can say to the kid, you, we're going to drop one and then you're going to have three sports <laughs> and then maybe two sports and then one sport, blah, blah. So sometimes I think the challenge is it's so big, we just can't even wrap our mind around it. We can't make the big adjustment. But if you do a little adjustment and you begin to make these little ones over time, those little adjustments will, will add up uh, to, to a bigger thing. But the pandemic took it all away. So we do have an opportunity to say you could start from scratch and just do one sport. But you could also start from the other direction and say, what little thing could you eliminate or adjust that might put you in a new tra trajectory? Is it possible to love your family as Mother Teresa is talking about and have them in four sports? Uh, and is it possible to love your family as Mother Teresa is talking about and not to let them be in any sports? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I, 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 I don't... I, I, yeah, I think 
Sure. And I think that it's unique to everybody. Life is unique to everybody. I don't necessarily know it's about four, three, two, or one. What's appropriate and right for you? What have you set as your values? What are your values? And then how do your your activities correspond to your values? And part of what my problem has always been is I've had values, but my acti- my actions didn't correspond to them. So I love I do love my family, but my actions don't necessarily uh, correspond to that. And so that incongruency, that lack of integrity is where I found my challenge. Now, I I know lots of people that have all kinds of activities and they ran their kids for, you know, I worked at O'Gorman for a decade and I watched all kinds of parents do it differently. And some succeeded and some didn't. And a lot of it was circumstances, personalities. Um, there's a, so I, I would be careful of just saying this is the best sure. way to do it. But I have found that generally speaking, our culture likes to be entertained and we like to be busy. We actually struggle to like decompress and we struggle to not have having somebody in front of us shaking pom-poms, entertaining us, structuring our whole life. I don't think the 24-7 structured life is healthy. That for me is my bigger problem as much as it is saying they're in three or four sports. Um, Yeah, I think the question would be is what's what's your purpose or goal or what is it that you hope that, that they gain from whatever they're doing? And if there's something they can learn from it, you know, then... Right. But again, I think the question is the deeper question, like why... Why do they need to be in this many sports or why don't they need to be in them? Uh, what is it that I, that I think is important in this, in this reality? Because again, then the question is, if they're not in anything, then what do you do with them? Like, where's their formation then? You know, is there something, uh, you know, some sort of a structure they're going to live in that's also going to help them as well, you know, grow into people? What would you say you're learning that would be during this time? What do you mean? During coronavirus. So they're not in any sports. How would you say? Like, well, what number is one, the all the then? other kids are in the same spot they are. So they're, everybody's stuck and parents are at home too. The challenge isn't necessarily right now. The challenge is going to be eventually everybody's going to go do their own thing again. And if I say my kids aren't going to be in this, and they're on. They're going to be at home with me by themselves. Like it's not like all the kids are going to be in the neighborhood again. No, all the kids, as you just said, all the, everybody else is going to go back to the sports. My kids are going to be the only ones stuck back at home because I'm not going to put them in the sport. So then, what do I do with them? How do I create? I, I don't know. I think that there's a lot that goes into it. I don't want to social engineer it, uh, but I know that one te- social media and technology is probably far worse than any athletics team my kid's going to be on. I'm far less concerned about my kid being in too many sports than I am being on social media too much. Um, So it's like, well, the primary way you entertain your kids at home now is social media too. So then there's that part too. So what does it look like? I think part of it would be though, in all of it is helping the, the individual come to know who they are. And so how do I know what I like, what I love, what gives me passion if I'm not trying things and being a part of things? Right. So I do think that some of it is this ability, you know, and it's even this kind of fascinating thing. We just keep talking about sports, but what about people? No, no, I know. So what about people who are more into theater and drama or music? Yeah. 
you know, so this idea that it, w- w- even we would limit. So, well, why doesn't Leo, why isn't Leo doing other activities right, than, the than athletic? Right. You know, so this idea of, of having to be able to say, how do I help the individual come to know who they are? What are their gifts, talents? What, what is it that God created them in what way, shape or form? And then how do I sort of guide that mm-hmm. to a degree, not necessarily controlling it, but guiding their, their movement in, in this way? Because sometimes you, you don't want to try something new or sometimes you don't want to do something because it's not what you want. And your parents sort of have to push you a bit because it is still important to at least learn a basic skill or a basic activity, those kinds of things uh, in the midst of it. What does it mean to love your family? Sacrifice. St. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas, willing the good of the other. <laughs> um, I, I think that when you just look at a classical understanding of of love, I would go to more of an idea that just simply says it's choosing uh, their best interest. What is best for them? What For, for their fulfillment, like Paul's talking about. Uh, Paul just raised an interesting thought in me. It's like, well, yeah, I'm not social engineering my child. I'm trying to help my child discover and fulfill their purpose in life, not like build this thing that reaches a pinnacle of human success. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I'm trying to help my child. Why is my child in athletics? Well, because he might find a lot of passion and desire and enthusiasm and love in athletics. Mm -hmm. And if that's where he finds meaning and purpose, great. He might become a baseball coach for the whole rest of his life because of this and influence young people to do the right thing because we help now. So, uh, but what, so how do I sacrifice love? Sacrificing for the other, not putting my interests um, in a selfish manner ahead of my my wife or my children, and never endangering them, never putting them in a way that says that this is bad for you, and I'm encouraging you to do it. Um, that for me is where I try to love my wife, not be selfish, and not endanger. What do you think? <laughs> um, I'm kind of just enjoying the fact that I realize. We're two priests, and so I'm kind of trying to let this. Oh, oh yeah, I want to like so I'm trying to play the sure. two of you guys in a way that I can leave some space. But uh, um, yeah, I don't. I th- I think uh, I think it's an important thing to question, and I sort of am already at the place where I realize the way the conversation's going. We're probably all just going to go back to the way it was before. <laughs> I mean, basically, listening to you talk, it's like n- we're just going to go back to the other way, even though we're living. You know, it's like okay, whatever. Um, but I'm thinking of this article I read about the family dinner, that the family dinner is actually an American um, idea, that we have this idea that the family dinner is the right way to live family, okay? So we can have an idea in our head, you know, whether it's I guess no it's sports, a World War II thing or something like after it, World it War II. After World War II, <laughs> Everybody came back and and everybody got their little houses from the GI Bill and everybody went to school and then the way it was it was pride the way to show that you had arrived was um, you had your house okay and if you had your house then what did you do then someone cared for it so what did the wife do the wife cared for the house and what was a way to show that you had financially were able to be stable you By had car. free time oh free time mm-hmm. you didn't need to work all day long. Uh, you were coming off the farm. You were living in a different way. And so you could sit there and you could have a family dinner. You could have the time. Well, to have that when you got home from work, 
the wife obviously was the one cooking it. So you have the idea of the wife in the apron and she's the one and then the family's there and we all sat down. So it was sort of a sense of like, we've arrived. Uh, and then came the television and then we can have entertainment afterward. And uh, it was leisure. It was a sense that like, and so this became the thing. And this is then where you get the movie where the poor kid walks by the window and what is the family inside the window doing? It's dark outside, drizzling, but there's light inside the window. And what is the family doing? Eating dinner. I wish I could be like, you know? And so the, the, it sort of strikes me that even that can be my idea that, you know, so I kind of really have to say, maybe there's totally different ways of loving my family than what I'm beginning. With, oh, sure. You know? right. uh, so, yeah, I definitely think that that's true. It, it, it's, I'm more and more am maybe moving to a space to think this is less about exterior circumstances and more about, my interior life. Mm -hmm. It's my, it's, it's my, it's the way in which I engage with life. Mm -hmm. That's the reality that I need to be most concerned with and not necessarily first, like um, the, whether my kids in this or I have dinner every night at home, but like, where is my internal state? And I brought with Jacques Philippe, right? Searching for and maintaining peace. Mm -hmm. Like I just forget how unbelievable this test text is. But you know, he stops and he says, number one, first of all, anything in human life, who am I? What you're a person that's loved by your creator. God loves you so much. Begin right there. You can't progress any further if you don't begin there. Oh, all right. Well, all right. So what, why do I want my kids in five sports or to go into theater or to get a great job or, you know, whatever to be a pile, <laughs> you know, maybe say, nobody wants their kid to be a pile, do they? Um, whatever it is, First, I, I have to know God loves me. And unless I start, and that's what you said there, John, right? You said, we're, why are we, we're loved, right? And so if we can begin there, then I can begin looking and constructing my life in a sense that says, what does God desire from me? What, what's his plan for me? What's his plan for my family? What's, and then how, what are the circumstances that I have to live that out in? And, and how can I best do that in these circumstances and always beginning from inside me? In my interior life, the way I think, the my heart, my attitudes, as I choose to live in the world, that's where I'm moving more and more. And less this sociological examination of people and relationships and institutions and society and we're all because we're pretty broken. <laughs> like I look around, I'm like, well, I don't know how we can fix anything. It just seems to get worse and worse. But what's not getting worse and worse? My interior life. Right. Well, why? Because, right, because it's like, well, that's Joe, because you're a philosopher and you're teaching this to your students and you started to take what you teach and you started to apply it in a, a way of action in your own life. And you realize some great timeless insights from people that have a truth. And the truth is, is that you're uh, a creature that was created by an unbelievable creator and your heart yearns for him and longs for him, just like you read from St. Augustine. 20 years ago that, you know, in the confessions, this stuff's all real and it's an interior thing first. So n figure out how you can get closer to God's love. And then after that, just do your best to, to work on your interior life and stop worrying so much about whether or not you got a nice beard or you got a, which by the way, so have you, you really noticed like, my beard? Lately? I did, and I, that's why I didn't comment on it because I was trying to help so, your humility. I, I, there, you can jump off on that for a little bit as we uh, kind of get closer to the end. Here, we have just a minute or two left. 
I think sometimes the challenge is when you can't necessarily make the connection with the other person though. So what, what happens, Joe, when Leo next year says, I still want to play soccer. And, and I think this is this real challenge that we can face and you know nothing about soccer. So you can't, you can't bestow upon him any of your wisdom and all the wisdom you have, he doesn't want. <laughs> and I do think that this can be this real challenge in our own culture of uh, this disconnect in the midst of it, of, of the life that we live. And so to be able to say, if that is the circumstances that I'm living, okay, then what do I do? All right. You know, maybe I risk learning about soccer. <laughs> and maybe I actually decide I'm going to try to learn something about the sport that my kid wants to play. Right. Uh, right. Instead of demanding that my kid does it my way, am, am I willing to, to reach out and be the dead that doesn't know anything about soccer or, right. or and hockey And then I get to whatever. encounter all those fears and anxieties. Right. And, and, then, and that's an interior um, thing. Yeah. I mean, so I definitely do think, and the other hard part is as much as you can say that God loves you, there still needs to be that experience, that encounter that really proves it. Like you can again, talk, 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 talk. And yet, other people can say, but I, I don't really think he does because blah, blah, blah. Well, I so, think that we should wrap up on God's love right. and uh, close with our family prayer and invite uh, God's love to be present to all of us with whatever the circumstances are that we're in. All right. Together. Our, our Father, Father, we, we thank, thank you for your love and for your many blessings, especially, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another, quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share it with those around us. Direct us to the state in life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen. We'll see you next month right here on Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. You've been listening to Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio. To hear today's episode again, visit our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, and find it on the Sioux Falls podcast page. You can also find it on our app under podcasts and special events. And be sure to tune in for more Rutten Radio next month. Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. 
Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through planned giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of planned giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these planned gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our planned giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Real Presence Live. On Wednesday's Real Presence Live, Deacon Dan Goshi and Father Daniel Weiske are your hosts coming to you from St. Andrew's Church in Brainerd, Minnesota. We'll talk about keeping kids busy, happy, and holy while at home. Then Deacon Chuck Welty of the Diocese of Duluth will share about running a grocery store amidst these trying times. And from the classroom to online teaching, the coronavirus dance. Jen Nagel, principal of St. Francis of the Lakes Catholic School, will tell us more. All this and so much more, Wednesday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central.